Thanks for listening to another episode of The Giving Leader. I'm Phil Ling. I am the founder of The Giving Church Consulting Group and also the host of The Giving Leader. For 20 years, I've been blessed to work with hundreds of gifted, visionary leaders around the country. And one of the ingredients I always find in those truly gifted leaders is they're generous. They're givers. And that's why I just simply entitled the podcast, The Giving Leader. The leader that I'm going to introduce you to during this episode is one of my favorites. Brett Andrews is the founding pastor of New Life Christian Church in Chantilly, Virginia, near Washington, D.C. Brett brings a lot to the table, stories too much to unpack right now. I just want to get into the conversation with Brett Andrews, New Life Christian Church, Chantilly, Virginia. Welcome to another episode of The Giving Leader. I'm Phil Ling, the host and one of my favorite people. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. Brett Andrews is a church planter. I've known him for 100 years uh, since he planted in Northern Virginia, Chantilly, near Washington, D.C. You fly into Dulles ever, you're only seven miles from their campus, their main campus. Um, I've known Brett for a long time since I planted way back in Seattle and he was planting in, in Northern Virginia. Uh, Their path has been interesting, and this is one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to him, because they bounced around forever in schools like everybody does, trying to find places to meet, and eventually bought something, built something, but it was not what you normally would think of. It's not the promised land where the church says, we're tired of set up and tear down. We want something normal. Instead, they bought about an 80,000-square-foot Anheuser-Busch distribution center, complete with keg room and affectionately called it the Bud Building for a while, rebuilt it all inside to be state-of-the-art athletic training, inside soccer fields, basketball, weight training areas, everything you could imagine in a facility like that. But the church occupies it, runs it, cafe and all. I was just there recently speaking, honored to speak there, three services on Sunday. They've got two physical locations, and then they also have a strong online presence And it is New Life Christian Church, Chantilly, Virginia. If you Google it and read about it, you'll even stumble across the Washington Post article when they went into what they now affectionately call the end zone, in as a new life, end zone. And Brett Andrews is the founding pastor. He is kind enough to be with me on this episode of The Giving Leader. Brett, good morning. Good morning, Phil. It's good to see you, uh, having known you for a hundred years now, and my <laughs> eyes are still failing a little bit. Good to see you as well. Uh, okay, remind me, because it has been a while. I'm, I'm thinking you planted, what, 25, 27? How long has it been years ago? Uh, 93, whatever that was. So yeah. Okay, 26. Yeah, well, I went to Bible college. I don't know math. <laughs> okay, see, you, you come and uh, you, you had interned at Southeast Christian in Louisville, which we interviewed Bob a few weeks ago, the founding pastor of of that church in Louisville, monster church that it is. Uh, Did you come directly from Southeast to plant at New Life, or was there a stop somewhere else? Um, I was an associate minister for five years in Springfield, which is just south of D.C., and now we're west of of D.C. Best thing I learned at Southeast that has helped, one of the best things that's helped us is the first day on the internship, they were, it was when they were building their, their built new buildings on Hikes Lane in 86. 
and Bob took me around these buildings, you know, in the middle of construction said, uh, Brett, I just want you to imagine what the church can be. And that, um, you know, that vision, uh, uh, that approach, although Bob would say he's not a visionary, that approach saying, okay, God, what kind of church do you want our church to be? I think was one of the most valuable lessons I learned that, that summer. Now, what's funny about that story, this is kind of like inside baseball. Uh, is that the one that they were there a few years and then relocated and left that one also? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like I said, Bob, Bob's not a visionary. And so he was thinking too small, too, two mega buildings there on Hikes Lane just weren't, weren't enough. I also learned how to embezzle and not get caught. That was really <laughs> uh, oh, okay. So that's the secret. Sorry. Why, why, uh, Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. area, I'm sure that as you were looking to plant, you probably considered other spots. Why there? Well, um, when I, w- I grew up in northwestern Pennsylvania, and um, because of guys like Bob and John Russell growing up in our um, home church, and there were, there were a number of people that went into ministry and stayed in the Midwest, um, I remember having this burden of, I think... God wants me to stay in the East outside the, outside the Bible belt. And so I had that burden. And then it was a sense of, you know what, I think I need to go to a city somewhere in the East. And so I was thinking, I, okay, Lord, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Washington, wherever. And then um, uh, just the way that God led uh, was I ended up going to Washington and, at that point, I loved, or I wasn't sick of politics. At that point, I thought I thought it would be fascinating to do work in Washington D.C. area. So, what? Well, and you did, and so you are. You're there. Um, dynamic church, uh, a couple thousand folks call it home. Three services on Sunday, like I said, plus the other location uh, at uh, Hey Hey something Hey Market. Hey Market, well, I know Lytton Hall, Gainesville. <laughs> yeah, Litton yeah, yeah, Hall. whatever. It started out in, in Haymarket. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I call it Haymarket because that's just what I remember it being called. Uh, and then the online stuff. The when here's what I think is interesting. I want to give a thumbnail sketch to those that are listening. When I talk about the end zone, so your permanent location, if you come visit what used to be an Anheuser Busch distribution center, and this thing was big, you could pull the trucks in, unload it, and pull them out the other side. I mean, it was a big dude. And you guys built this comprehensive athletic facility that the church uses. So I was there with you just a couple weeks ago on Sunday, three services, you put down carpet squares and this, this like three gym size area, size of three gyms, put down carpet squares. You put the auditorium up together for three services and take, take it all down. So after 26 years, you still do set up and tear down and nearly a half a million people a year go through this facility during the week using the various things that are available. When you started telling your people about the vision for what now is the end zone, was there pushback? Um, Was it tough? Because I got to think a lot of people that have been wandering in the wilderness looking for the promised land are thinking of a nice little building they can go to at nine o'clock on Sunday and don't have to set up a chair versus what you guys created. Or am I just imagining maybe everybody in your church is visionary? it was, uh, it was, it was probably what you would expect. You know, you have the bell curve of people that 
like change and and own th- new things. And so, you know, t- typically in that bell curve, you have like 12% that are innovators, um, early adopters. And so I, that's probably where it was. The thing that was a challenge for us that, that I learned the hard way is um, that it's hard to have vision if you can't see something. Mm. And since since I didn't have anything, since we didn't have anything to show people about what we were talking about with the end zone, it's not like we could say, look at this church or look at that church. It was, it was really hard for a lot of people. Um, obviously we had people that, that left because they're like, we don't you want us to give money for a building that we're, that's, that we're going to have to pay to use seven days a week if we're going to be part of the gym, you want us to pay for a building that's not going to have a place for us designated on Sunday morning. What kind of church is that? Um, But we also had, God really blessed us with people who, um, who just trusted us. And and I'll never forget this one couple. The first month we were in there said, um, said, you know, we really didn't understand what you were talking about. <laughs> this tells you what a great communicator I am. They said, you know what, we really didn't understand what you're talking about until we got in here. And this mm. is great. Now, I never, the wonderful thing about that story is um, I never would have guessed that they had doubts or confusion because they were with us the whole way, but it was based on trust. So, um yeah, so so there definitely was a a, a, a vision casting extra challenge to that for for sure. What what was the the seed in your mind <clears throat> that said this is a direction we should go? Um, the the you know the most important thing in a leader in, in a Christian is that we hear the voice of the good shepherd and follow that you know. My, my sheep hear my voice and they follow. And so what we were seeing in the history of new life was, um, first of all, we had a commitment to lost people. We started a church because we believe the best way to honor God is to be obedient to the Great Commission and we want to reach lost people. And so we were doing tons of that kind of stuff from the very beginning of the church. You know, there was, at the beginning, we were probably spending 30% of our, um, of our, budget in and just outreach stuff um but then um we we kept doing these events for the community um in the fall and in the spring and um and then with a we had a nice cream truck that we had back in the uh, way back in the day and where we do community events and 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 we we thought how do we do that seven days a week so a couple of times a year, we can get five, three, three or 4,000 people to an event like this. What if, um, what if we did that with a building where the building became our seven-day-a-week outreach tool like that? The other part of it was we thought there were, there were several different elements that went into it. But the other part was if you're going to put $12 million into a building – its primary reason had better be the primary purpose of the church. Mm. It had better be to reach lost people. So if you're going to do that, 
what's that look like? Another element of it was living in the is living in the Washington D.C. area, where uh, land and building is so much more expensive than places like where I grew up in rural Pennsylvania. Um, the idea of having a building that isn't for your primary purpose and 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 and, and is sitting empty most of the week. Um, just seemed like really bad stewardship. And so it doesn't take a genius to say, how do you do a building that's focused on your primary purpose and is wise stewardship? And so, and so that drove us to go this direction. And we actually, why are we in an 83,000 square foot building? Because we couldn't afford a 25,000 square foot building. That's why we are. We, um, we actually have land on another in another section of of Centerville, and um, and we tried to build a building there. I'm not, I'll, I'll spare the details, but basically, the the finances didn't work. We faced these choices that it didn't make sense to do, and so we thought, okay, Lord, what do you want us to do? And we realized, and, and so rather than building there in a different zone. Uh, 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 land zone. We we he, God showed us a building that already existed, that was zoned in a way that we could use it this way completely seven days a week. And so, um, and so that's kind of how that went. The, I, I've I've said to our to, to our church a lot. Um, New life can't afford this building. God provided this building for us, and the end zone could not afford this building either. There are a lot of there are a lot of gyms that have gone out of business since we've started. Um, but together God has given us a blessing that, um, that blesses the community as, as well as the church. Well, one of the things I, I don't want anybody to miss, because a lot of the folks that are listening to our podcast, we have hundreds and hundreds of uh, leaders and church and pastors is that you're the, the, the thought process and the heart of new life on the outreach, to be sold out to outreach, to trying to reach people who don't know God, in even non-traditional ways has been from the beginning. So you glossed over the ice cream truck, which I think is hilarious because you had this branded ice cream truck, like a real ice cream truck, you know, like you go and ring the bell. And then you've got all the blow up stuff that, you know, normally a church would like rent for VBS or something. You guys own all these things. And so you would go and do these events. And when you say an event, it's not like you're showing up to do this little rinky-dink vacation Bible school. It's like you brought a little bitty fair with you. Uh, and so that, if you're doing that, I think it's a little easier segue to say, okay, how could we do that seven days a week? Thanks for you. I appreciate you clarifying that. Yeah. The events, we put $10,000 into a single event. And so what the, the ice cream truck grew out of that, we thought, okay, wait a second, the events are good, but what if we put, what if this year we, put $10,000 into, into a truck and into a blow up screen and into toys that we could take and do uh, community events like that. And um, USA Today did an article on it years ago. It was really funny. And this is where my pride comes out. Others have done an ice cream truck. Mm -hmm. And like, and, and so every once in a while I'll see like outreach marketing will show this picture of this church that's doing an ice cream truck. And I'm like, 
dang, you know, you can see the original if you want. <laughs> that's where my pride comes through. That, you know, that, that's a, and that's a, that's a, that was a Todd Wilson to give, to give credit where credit is due. That was a Todd Wilson. Uh, so, so tell me, did I describe the end zone close to being what, what it is? Cause I know the stats, I've been around you long enough. Uh, that you know, half a million people a year going through and using it, and when when I say it's not a gym, it is a gym, but it's so much more than that. You know, I I, I think you got yeah. two or three indoor soccer fields. Um, yeah, we have we have three indoor turf fields, two basketball courts, a weight room, several, several exercise rooms, birthday party room. Um, the idea is not to be a gym. The idea is to be a place that people in the community that don't go to church use so that people in the community drive by and say, that's what the church ought to be. It's like, we want to be the light. Jesus would be the light of the world. We want the community to, it's a pre-evangelism opportunity is what it is, what it really is. And so we, everything that we do inside of it is to that, is to that purpose. And so part of what I love about it is um, the diversity of people <laughs> that are, that are using it. Um, everyone, everywhere from, you know, professional athletes um, to, um, to college players, football players that are preparing for, for tryouts to, um, kids in really low-income communities that we do stuff for free for them uh, to, you know, uh, illegal um, immigrants who never like to give us their names and always do stuff in cash, but they're really good at playing soccer. And so they use it regularly for soccer. I just And the opportunities that gives us for conversation um, – is, is really a blessing. Well, one of the things taking this, this, taking everybody's listening to a little visual walk through this. If you park in the back lot and come in, what I say is the main door with the lobby area and there's a cafe right inside. So if your kid's playing in soccer or something, you can hang out and get something to eat or a coffee at the cafe, but right in front of it, this, this is what I don't want you to miss. Cause I think it's kind of a cool, bold thing hmm. in the lobby in the middle of the room is this kind of makeshift baptistry. And that's where you do baptisms. You've got signs up saying like, uh, watch this or something. <laughs> and I just think that is, that is so cool that it, it is uh, central. You know, this, this whole faith thing is central to it. You could have hit it over in a corner. You could have said, hey, you know, the church is going to need a baptistry from time to time. But it's in your lobby where all these secular seeking people come to play soccer or whatever. And it's right there. Yeah. Well, uh, again, it's, um, it's, it is a challenge to be uh, visual that you are a church without being um, in your face that you're a church. And so just having the baptistry out there makes it clear for people who are walking by, this is a church. And every once in a while, we'll have it open as people are leaving and sweaty. We'll just tell them it's a bath. 
<laughs> and we count that towards no, we don't do that. <laughs> uh, it's just that we couldn't afford showers. So here's we a put in this. Here's a little whirlpool. Wouldn't you feel better after getting? <laughs> and then we count that and say, no, we don't do that. Okay, so one of the stories I, I've I've known Brett for a long time in church planter circles, and one of the things I love doing is uh, a lot of the precon uh, tracks at Exponential with Brett and with his team. Uh, Exponential, if you know anything about church planting, if you've shown up at the either the main ones or either the new regionals, is where these uh, 5,000 spiky hair church planter types get together and have been sold out to church planting and talk about church planting, potential church planters. It's led by the executive director, Todd Wilson. Todd was executive minister at New Life before he moved into that role. New Life, Brett, have been very integral in what we see as exponential, but that doesn't stop there. The, probably the one of the most, it's kind of like burying the lead. One of the most impressive things is that you, from day one, the church has taken a percentage of the budget and peeled it off to go into church planting, and New Life has helped start 265 churches since you began 26 years ago. Um, that's was that day one, did you come into it and say, hey, when we plant this thing, a percentage is going to go to this? Or is that something that evolved over the first few years? Um, from day one, we said, we believe that God wants us to be a church planting church. Um, the, um, we don't know, we're not smart enough or confident enough in ourselves to know how or if we'll be able to do it, what, be, what we believe that if God blesses, um, we're not just starting a church, we're starting the first of many. And for many, I thought it would, honestly, I thought if we could do 10 churches while I'm alive, that would be great. So it really has been a blessing from God. Um, what was your question again? No, uh, 12%. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, what, 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 um, no, that developed over time. Um, at, the, at the very beginning, I guess I can say we um, the, the, I started thinking about what are we going to do with our tithe? You know, the, honestly, in the first three years of the church, as we were being sponsored by other people, I thought it's really, it's really silly to take other people's money and then give it to, I mean, us being a pass-through account for some. So, so we had about three years there to really think and pray about what we were going to do. But at the end of that three years, um, I'm actually at heart a very angry, bitter person. And, <laughs> and, and I discovered that there were a lot of churches that don't give any money to church planting. That they don't give any money to domestic missions. All of their money goes to missions overseas somewhere. And I thought, you know what? I guess that's okay. And if that's their calling, then it's okay for our calling to give all of our tithe to church planting. And then we did the concentric circles thing, faith with little, faith with much. We'll start where we are with church planting and giving and then our missions approach will be there will come a time that we'll go outside the borders of the United States to plant. But right now we're going to be faithful with our sphere of influence and our first 10% at that point is what it was. We're going to give to church plant. Actually the first church plant, 
it was maybe it was less choice than and more force. Our first church plant was we brought our our first full time staff person was brought on to be a church planter, Vince Antonucci, who now is in Las Vegas um, gambling everybody's money away. But the um, <laughs> but, but but when when Vince so Vince came on was with us for two years, and when Vince went to to uh, Virginia Beach to plant. We said, okay, Vince, we're all in. We will give you all of our, um, all of our tithe or what, or you know, all of our missions money for the next two years, and we will, um, we'll give you other help and, and financial in-kind gifts, that kind of stuff, in addition to that. So that was actually the first time we had to put, uh, you know, our money where our mouth was. What what I think it, it's interesting is uh, it's an open-handed generosity because you, you've been committed, you peel off 12% of your budget, you've got a little in-house office, which is very small overhead, passion for planting that d- directs us with Dale Spaulding and crew. Um, you're, and I always appreciate that, your overhead's small. I always say that nonprofits should not judge success by how many people they employ. <laughs> that's, that's not what makes you successful. So you, you take a small overhead, peel off 12%, help start these churches, but it's an open hand generosity. And then they've got, you've got children and grandchildren because those churches start churches. And now today, 265 churches, I was talking to somebody about you the other day. I said, if they would call them satellites, they could be the largest church in the country. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure about that. Everybody have... has satellites. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, the, the, um, uh, I, I don't want people to get the wrong idea. Um, I'm not sure how generous I am, but I am very purposeful and, and focused, you know, which gets me in trouble. Obviously there's a downside to that, but, um, but that, that's where that comes from. It comes from saying, um, okay. God, this is what you want us to do. So when we started, when we helped the church in Virginia Beach get started, we had three full-time staff and two of them decided, I was ready for Vince to go. I mean, I, and that was the plan. But when Vince, Vince and Joe, who was our worship leader, said, hey, Joe thinks he's called to go down here. It's like, well, that sucks. I don't like, <laughs> I don't like you know, so, oh, Brett, you're really open-handed. No, if that's what God's <laughs> calling us to do, I'm, I can still hate it, but say <laughs> obedience is a whole lot better than, than fighting God. And so that's basically, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, hear God's voice and follow. And what are you going to do? You're going to say, okay, God, I have to, I'm going to trust that if I release what you want me to release, you're going to supply, you're going to somehow be sufficient for us. And, and, and I do, I am convinced we're, we're not a hugely talented church or the smartest people in the world, but God's really blessed us with good things afterward. You mentioned Todd, for instance, coming up. I'm convinced that Todd wouldn't have left the, the nuclear Navy to become our, to, to come on staff with us and then to start exponential if we hadn't been willing to say with Vince, okay, Lord, we hold him loosely. It was harder to let Todd go than to let Vince go. I mean, Todd's still on staff with us. He wants his ministry to be out of new life, but 
you know, most of his work is, is exponential related, you know, changing the world. Okay. So I would be remiss if I let this conversation go by and that didn't talk about the unique audience that you have because of where you're placed, Chantilly, Virginia, Northern Virginia, close to DC, one of the most expensive areas to live in the United States. Uh, you got lots and lots of, uh, uh, who knows who's listening to you on any given week, who's tuning in on the this online streaming with the kind of audience that you have, uh, folks that are working in government, uh, in business. Is there anything you've learned with that versus, you know, where you grew up in Pennsylvania or your time at, in, uh, um, in Louisville? Is this, this audience, this very secular, affluent audience, any different in how you approach them, how you communicate your thought process? Um, yes, we have, we're right next to the national reconnaissance office, which is, um, which is a lot of the spooks that are looking from your satellites and, um, you know, and figuring out what's going around on around the world. Where that also means there's a lot of um, a lot of organizations like Northrop Grumman and Boeing and whatever that support that. And then we're for whatever reason, there. I guess the CIA is all over <clears throat> Northern Virginia, but we seem to have a combination of NRO and then engineers and then and then um, you know in, intelligence people and it certainly has taught um, one thing it's taught me is these, we have a lot of good people serving in government, you know, so there's a lot of negative stuff out there about some of the intelligence people for in going on, but there are a lot of really good people. And, um, and, and I, you know, we need to pray for our people and get because there's a lot of stress on them to, to, uh, to be how, how how are you Christians in the government, which is which is not real um, gentle with people who are sometimes vocal about their Christianity. And that's whether whether they're you know DHS or um, or whatever the agency. So um, so that's a that's a special challenge. It's a, it's an opportunity. It's a wonderful opportunity to to speak to, and to to work with these people. the The wonderful thing about it, though, is they don't micromanage. You know, they're involved in. I I was I was I was with, I was with somebody a couple of weeks ago, and he says to me, "I just I just uh, I just sent twenty five thousand dollars to," and then he named the foreign country. It's like. Really? I said, why? He said, well, they needed it. So I just sent it to, and it wasn't a country. It was actually to people working in that country. And I was like, hey, can you send me $5,000? But when people are making those kinds of decisions every day, that they don't tend to micromanage the decisions of the church. You know, they, they understand how they understand lines of authority and how things need to be led and people need to be trusted and and all that. So I don't know, that probably bores your listeners, but that's... No, it's, it's fascinating. Okay, <clears throat> excuse me. I have asked others this, and so I'll end with asking you the same thing. I'm talking with Brett Andrews. He's a senior minister at New Life 
Christian Church, Chantilly, Virginia, near D.C. You're listening to The Giving Leader. Here's my last question. If you're talking to a young Brett and you're giving him any advice as he starts to plant, as he starts that journey, um, what kind of advice do you think you give young Brett? Um, uh, I know it's going to be cliche, but I would say um, pray an hour a day. You need to pray more. Um, I would say um, don't let your anxiety keep you from spending time with your wife and your family. Don't let your anxiety of I've got to get the sermon written and it has to be better or I, you know, <laughs> or we have to get some more people to show up or else there's not going to be a church uh, keep you from in just really loving your family and enjoying your family that God's given you in those days. Um, and the other thing that I would say is um, have enough confidence in God that if you are just faithful and simple things, God's going to take care. God's going to lead you. I think that um, I, I did way too much um, trying to wear Saul's armor and not be who God is just calling us to be. Um, and, and what I've, what I'm finding is um, the disciple making movements and church planting movements around the world. Um, God uses simple people who are simply obedient every day and, and, and are, 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 are led by his voice and, and his power. And so trust that and don't, don't be everybody else's guinea pig, you know, don't, don't, don't try to do every new thing because that's what the latest book is telling you to do. Trust God and be obedient in the simple things. So my guest has been Brett Andrews, New Life Christian Church, Chantilly, Virginia. You could Google it, look at it. Passion for planting is their church planting arm. You've been listening to The Giving Leader. I'm Phil Ling, the host. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for listening. It was a fantastic conversation with Brett. Everything that they're doing through the end zone is amazing. Half a million people going through that facility in a year. And passion for planting, helping plant 265 churches around the United States since they began. So thanks to Brett. Thanks for you for listening. This is Phil Ling, host of The Giving Leader. You can go to thegivingleader.com or thegivingchurch.com and find out more about what we do.